0: Biddy biddy beep 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 on. Yes, we're here, I think. I think we're on. Just waiting on things coming up. Ah! Alan couple evening. Greg Halett, Gary Allen, John Mullen, Steve Gitteridge from Epsom, UK. Patrick Witters, good evening. D- Differdang in Luxembourg. Happy 53rd, yes. Brett <laughs> Shirley hi from Cramlington. Iris Maxmovich from (laughs) Bromley, David McElroy from Dunfermline, Jean-Pierre Lakes, hi Jean-Pierre, Ellen Benny, Kenny Tate, hello again from Dunbar, James Smith from Indiana, wow, Kevin Randall from Kent, Sylvia Chabot from Lille, Terence Quinlan from Lincolnshire, it's all coming on, hello, good evening and welcome to yet another Fishing Friday after an extremely fractious week. Oh, God. Mm. Brian Treadgall, Terence Quinlan, Sunny, Sunny got my Fish and Friday t-shirt yesterday. Good on you. I'm knackered. I'm actually quite tired today. Well, it's been a, quite a mental week and a happy Erdinger moment to wonder all from here, from the studio. It's beautiful outside. I'll take you outside first because it's brilliant it's absolutely marvelous in here it's an absolute mess the death of disco bog and everything look at this stunning disco bog outside <laughs> it's nuts we've been um just going crazy here but everything's kind of coming together and I've got a brand new satellite dish. Um, Lillian Broadband, uh, I want to start thanking... Uh, uh, it, it was Robin and Roman, it came up today. And um, they put a new satellite dish. They acknowledged that we'd had loads of dropouts. And I thought it was those damn pesky squirrels that may maybe eaten the cables, but it wasn't. And it was all sugary, because it had been up there for too long. So, that's my dish. The beams from way over there in the lamb Because BT still haven't got it together to kind of get us on the big high-speed broadband. So beyond my skip is where the broadband signal comes from. Way up there. Up in towards Gifford. It's fantastic. But Look at all this now. It's great. Just the green flowers and everything just going mental. It just makes me feel so much better. And it's... uh, even the roses are starting up, climbing roses and things. But i have had—I've um, been struggling to get time out here. Struggling to get time and struggling to find kind of, um, struggling to find the physical ability to go out. And um, it's been nuts. <sighs>
1: yeah.
0: You know, I've, I've got problems with my back for ages, so it was, uh, today was kind of... I managed to contact somebody, but I'll just tell you some more people. John Bruce from sunny Sacramento. Dan Dermot Dolson. Vlad Costea from Romania. Bobby Dalton, you said, like, the beer's hitting the spot. The beer's not hitting the spot at all, man. Mike Newman. Yay, Martin Josh. Xavi Tortosa Tortosa from Barcelona. Barcelona. Derek Spear, Toronto, Stephen Reed, Newfoundland, Canada, where it's pouring rain and foggy as hell. It's been grey here, but bloody cold. I had to, um, I had to make sure I got the, the coal frames up and running. And uh, so I got loads of stuff done. Last weekend was just, I escaped to the greenhouse and I was kind of, I just locked myself away in the greenhouse. I just wanted to get out of here and, um, and it was great. And it was Easter Sunday. I mean, I'm not a religious person, but I was, I was listening to, like, lots of choral music. And there was some, um, uh, a, a female monk. I don't know what that is. But, or she was, um, we worked in a monastery. And she was picking all the tunes on, kind of, um, what's it called? Um, Lost Island or whatever it is. <laughs> and, it was, and it was great. And it was, like, loads of choral music and listening loads of classical stuff on radio three and i was just there just putting tomatoes just bringing tomatoes and putting them up into different pots and i was planting all sorts of stuff like um cucumbers and squashes and things and pumpkins and getting them all up and running in the, the vitapod propagators and it was just yeah i needed it i just needed the calm and the peace and the calm of it all and um it was just my head was burling, and it was just amazing. I don't listen to classical music that much. I've got quite a few bits and pieces, but I don't listen to it much. And But in the greenhouse, it just seems to fit. And um, it was just in there with the sound of the fans running, and I had the grow lights above the tomatoes that I'd put on as well. The chilies are coming on great. They're small, but they're coming on, and it's unbelievable. These just keep on popping through the, the, the earth in the, in the little pots. And uh, like I said, that was making me feel pretty good about it all, but I mean, it's, but this week's just been running about like a crazy bastard. And um, and as I said, you know, I said, you know, the hat stand's been running like a fairground ride. It's like, you know, like, you know, painter decorator hat on thing. It's like, you know, organizing this and overseeing this. It's going around the bathrooms and getting electricians and making sure people are doing this and sorting this out. And at the same time, trying to put together these five kind of, the five projects like an album projects and trying to get that done and loads of other stuff. Just mental, mental, mental all the time. And my back was killing me and I was waiting on blood results coming back. And you know that bit when the doctor phones you up and goes out, I'd like a face to face, right? And I always, I shit it when I get that, you know? And they phone you up and they go, well, the blood results back, nothing to worry about, like blah, blah, blah. And you keep on going like, they're lying. You know, they're not telling you, and it's like everything's okay with the blood results, but the doctor would like a face-to-face with you. And it's like, oh fuck, right? So anyway, I went down to see uh, my doctor. He was a great guy, and uh he, you know, I walked in and he said, "Oh, you weren't worried?" I went, "No, no, I wasn't worried. I wasn't worried at all, right?" Not, in, and it's like I just said, "There's a little cog going in the back of my head," right? And he said, "Blood results are all great. My liver and kidneys are absolutely fine." which <laughs> Steve Francis says, he said, you know, he says, you're indestructible, mate. Well, I'm not quite indestructible, but, like, that always amazes me when my liver and kidneys keep on getting the, the green light. One minute, they're just going to go, bam, total red, right? But, yes, yeah, so all my blood's all right, but my back's gone, so I've got to go for an MRI scan on my spine again. And I did something with my, with my neck a while back because I coughed and sneezed at the same time, and something went. You know, it was like something something broke. <laughs> and and I, I was sitting there when I did it, I thought i broke broken my fucking neck, right? And um and I so I've got, got to go for a big MRI scan, but I remembered. I did a gig. We did a charity gig for a, a thing called um what was it? Hops in the Hops in the Garden. And um it was done at Archerfield Estate and we did it for the um a kind of hospice thing uh, uh, for Lucky House. And I met a couple of guys there, and the guy that organised it, he was a surgeon, and he introduced me to a guy who was a back surgeon. And I was sitting there going, oh, what am I going to do here? And my local doctor said, yeah, you have to go for an MRI scan, and it's like, you know, if I wait on NHS, as you know, it's going to be like 12 weeks and, and all the rest of it. So I just said, I need to get this sorted out. And um, so I said, you know, I'll I'll go private and, and pay for the damn thing. So um, I phoned up the. Well, I got. I sent an email to the guy that I did the gig for at uh, Folky House, and he's put me in touch with somebody up at the private hospital, the Spire up in Edinburgh. So hopefully we're going to get something to go there. But I need to get this done. I was walking about like my dad before he died. You know, I was. I mean, it was just terrible. And. um... And my legs are like four by twos. I mean, they're like, it's just, they're like solid wood. And this morning when I got out of bed, I could actually feel the pain in in the back of my heel. So it was like all the muscles and tendons all the way down. And it's been excruciating. And I had to take, uh, last weekend, I was knocking back some hydrocodone that I had left across from when I had my shoulder up that I kept for emergencies. (laughs) Emergency knockout drops. So I whipped a couple of them down my neck and I felt I had the best sleep. Simona said I had the best sleep that I had for, for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. <clears throat> but it has been painful. So it's been kind of, that's been kind of getting me down and then having to do so much gardening work and I don't have Rab working here because Rab's back's gone. So it's like, you know, I'm having to do it all myself. And, you know, Simona comes out and does her things. But I mean, you know, she's not in the best of Fettle either. So, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a tough call So it was nice to be able to sit in the greenhouse and listen to classical music and just like, you know, sit there, put the tomatoes in. So um, I've got thousands of the damn things. I've over-sown again. And it's uh, every year, I I, I don't know whether the greenhouse is on a ley line or something, but I put in all these seeds, all the tomato seeds, right? And I sort of, I'll get like 50, 60%, percent will come up. Bang, right? So I've got loads of tomatoes. So um, in the next few weeks, as I did last year, um, we'll probably have to put a wee stall out, and hopefully it'll be clear. But um, for people that are local that are wanting tomatoes, we'll do swaps, right? Dean Davis, hello. Steve Welder from Colorado, hello. Steve Strumpf from Rockville, Maryland, USA. Linda Dublin, fellow Dubliner, yeah. Joseph Rodriguez from New, New Jersey, yes. Michael Forshaw, this is shite when you get them calls. Your <laughs> freaking blood pressure goes through the roof. It does, doesn't it? It's just not... There's nothing wrong with you, but we really want to see you. Right, you're lying. You're lying. <laughs> Chris Harris, Uh The show is Private Passions. Right. Joan, uh, I don't know, I'm losing it. From Vermont. Stacey Ann. Kaylee Grove. Oh, I'm zipping down the line. Andrew, Andrew Evans, liver and kidneys for tea. <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> uh, David Robinson. Doc wanted a face-to-face to ask for gig tickets. Yeah, it's still on. November's still looking good. I was actually phoning up. I, I put a message. I mean, it's like feeling so positive about November now. I actually put a phone call into um Tara, right? She's an American and she runs the, 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 the place where we do all the rehearsals, where the rehearsal room is. And we've got the kind of residential kind of family cottage, holiday cottage accommodation. So it was, it was weird. I phoned her up. like, <laughs> you know... Um, looking for accommodation for uh, nine people for uh, November and uh, giving all the dates. And it felt kinda good, you do it. It's like I did like I felt last week when I talked with Yatta. Oh, bird trying to come in. And um I'm mean, gonna phoned up Yatta and tried to get the you know the tour bus and getting that kind of s- set up. You know, and it's it's feeling good, you know, it's 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 feeling positive about that. But I've gotta get my back sorted, you know. But on top of that, it's like they come. They don't ever come. once, right? They all they all come at the same time. So I sent off the email to the spire to the secretary of the surgeon at the spire, saying like, you know, can we can I get? Is it possible can I get to see somebody about this? And you know, I said there's a letter coming in from the Lammermuir practice, I'm at, you know, to basically say this guy's coming in for a scan and we need to see a surgeon. So I did all that. And then right after I did that, I get a phone call from the Western General and the Western General. I've got to go in for an operation on the twentieth April, and they said we want to do it on Friday. The I think it was the thirtieth April or something like that. I can't remember what it was. I said I can't do that. I'm working fishing Friday. I can't do that, especially what I'm going in for. Right? So yeah, it's got something. Something in my my lower regions at the back. <laughs> So anyway, so I get the phone call, and it's like they offered me the Friday, and I said I can't do that. So I've got the following Tuesday. So it's um I go in on the Tuesday. So God knows what I'm going to be like on Friday. <laughs> and, uh, and they said, and you got to go in for a pre-op, all right? I've got to, go. and I had the pre-op, but I had to turn, I had to turn the operation down when I was offered it because my mum hadn't had a, a two vaccinations, and um I kind of. I wanted to make sure that she'd had her vaccination because as we all know, going into hospitals at this time is kinda of like, you know, you know, it was it's a bit of a Russian roulette thing, you know. And uh, or it was back then. And um and I hadn't even had my first first injection yet by then, the first vaccination. So certainly my mum's had her too, which means you know, everything's been a bit more relaxed about here. And uh we're still being very careful, you know, with the guys that are doing the building work and things. But, um, but, yeah, so I put the, the operation off, and they, couldn't, they phoned me back, and they said, well, you're going to have to do another pre-op. I said, I've just had all my bloods done, right? I said, they, only, they were only done a week ago, and they've come back, and they're all good, and they're all registered. They're on my file. And they said, oh, no, we're going to have to do it all again, and you're going to have to get a, a, an ECG done and stuff. And I'm going, fuck. And it's the Western General. And it's like, I, sometimes I feel like they're having a laugh, because I live in outside Haddington, And the Western General, for those of you who don't know, is a hospital that's on the far west of Edinburgh. And to get there, you've got to drive through a a labyrinth, right? And if you catch it in the wrong time, it's like, it's mental. And she said, well, you know, if you come in for your your pre-op, we'll get you in at three. I said, well, if I go in at three... I'm going to be coming out at half four. I'm smack bang in the middle of rush hour. I said, you know, I said, any other time? I said, well, we could do, we could do half eight in the morning. I said, but that's the other rush hour, right? <clears throat> and then he said, well, would you prefer the Western General, St. John's in Livingston? <clears throat> Which is like kind of saying, do you want to go to London or Bristol, right? <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to the Western General. So I've got my pre-op. My operation's on the 20th, so I've got my pre-op. And they said, you've got coming for a COVID test. A drive-through COVID test. I've never done one of these before, right? And I said, "When's the pre the drive-through COVID test?" And they said, "Like on the Saturday." So I've got to go all the way in, in and on the, the Friday. On the I've got to go in for the Friday for the the pre-op, and that's at eleven in the morning. So I'll be back out from the pre-op, and in on air later on in the afternoon. Then the next morning, I've got to go in for the the the, the test, and then I realised I had a dentist appointment because I've got toothache, right? Boo. <laughs> So I've got one of my teeth kind of screwed up. It's the old, (laughs) old faithful. (laughs) It's gone again. It's about the fifth time it's been filled. And I keep on thinking, I'm going to go in and I'm sorry, I'm going to have to, it's going to be coming out and I'm going to be left with five stumps, right? And the vets were to sing through. And and I do get worried because all the teeth that keep coming out, I go, it's going to be affecting how I sound with my voice, you know? I'll probably end up getting false teeth and I'll get a completely different voice, right? Anyway. So I'm a phone up the dentist because when I, I've got to go in on the 20th at 7.45 in the morning, which means I've got to organise transport to get in there at 7.45, because Simona doesn't drive to Edinburgh. She doesn't drive in the city. So I've got to, go on to organise transport, right? But the day before, which was when I'm supposed to be going to the dentist, I'm supposed to take the stuff at 8 o'clock in the morning. And this stuff you take, for anybody who's had, like, a, a colonoscopy or anything to deal with, kind of, rectal operations, right? You've got to take the stuff that empties you. It cleans you completely out, because it's like they're going in and... I don't want to... Some of you are eating. I don't want to get involved with this too much. But, yeah, it's like nuclear, right? <laughs> and I'm going, there's no way I'm going to the dentist in the morning when I'm supposed to drink this stuff at 8 o'clock and be at the dentist at 9 o'clock. That is just asking for trouble, right? Asking for trouble. And it's like, you get your teeth done. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you can picture it, right? So anyway, so I had to move my dentist appointment. So I've got the dentist appointment next week. And then I've got two interviews coming in. One for an Irish mob. And another one for a guy in Sweden. So I've been dealing with it, bounce, bounce, hat, hat, hat stand spinning, right? So anyway, it's all done. So I've got my dental appointment next week. And then I've, I've, on the Friday, I've got the the pre-op on this, and I said to them, "Can I not just get the COVID test done on the same day?" No, because you can only get it done for like within three days of your operation, which is on the Tuesday. So uh, I've got to drive in the Western General on the Friday, come back, drive, do the fishing on Friday, drive in the next day, do my COVID test, drive back, have Sunday off, and then. I've got Monday Monday something's happening. Then Tuesday I've got to take this nuclear scouring out stuff, right? Drink some bleach. And then and then Wednesday I'm in for the op. And then Thursday, God knows, it's a it's a day operation. So I'm in there, and then somebody's got to pick me up at night when I'm general anesthetic out of my head, right? But I'm an incredibly sore arse, probably. And then come back here and then uh, so if I'm completely off my face on that weekend of the Fisher Friday, this is my excuse, right? But it's, uh, yeah, it's deep jolly. Getting old's fucking great. So anyway, so then, and then, so I had to tell the MRI people at the spire, oh, by the way, I've got this happening, this happening, this happening, and I can't do this, right? And so I've got to get the scan done and the next scan done and then find out what's going to happen. And I don't know what's going to happen. And then somebody's going to have to cover in the garden. Because it looks like if I get the operation on the 20th, I can't start going out there and straining in the garden. And then if the bad thing happens, that's it, right? It's nuts. So how's your week been? <laughs> <laughs> uh, b and good evening London, Arcadius, Jarek, Dave Holland. That's why Freddie never had his teeth fixed. <laughs> It's so good, fish. How you doing, man? Lot of be ward <laughs> Yeah, lot of be ward The dentists wouldn't want to see either. Nobody wants to see me on that day. On that... If you... If, like I said, if anybody's had this stuff... It's... I heard about... It used to be an old thing with, with catering guys. And it was like, never upset the catering guys on the road. If When we used to be able to have... When we had a catering team out with us. And, uh you should never upset the catering guys because what they used to put was eye drops. They said, like, it was their real revenge thing. And if they put eye drops in your food, you evacuated virtually within, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It was like, it was a boof, right? And it's one of those jobs, right? (laughs) And I had it before, and I never thought anything could possibly affect me like that. You know, I really didn't. It's like, you know, I'll just have a drink of this. And it was like, within an hour... It was like, suddenly it's so, like, oh, my God. <laughs> OK, I'll move on. As I said, some of you are probably eating. John Watson, a very busy week, Derek. You don't know half of it, right? Uh, Christopher Hardy, catch you tonight after work first. Thank you. Ian Graham, my major hospital for operations and such is only 10 miles away. The RVI Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm going to have to go down. <laughs> yeah. Gary Van Deen-Smith, yeah, like, like, yeah, it is. Oh, I'll just turn this around a wee bit because I've got I'm reading this. Landed <laughs> the Dublin. they did walking, COVID testing, Trinidad Dunbar, Val Gamble. Yeah, but it's, I've got to go to the Western General because it's like that's where the ops. it's like, and I, I hate the Western General. Western General's kind of like, it's the big cancer place as well, right? And that's where I, I, I saw my dad before he went and I just hate the place, you know? It's um, Ian McDonald from Kilmars Samuel Lemancek from Slovakia, Tim Tim Sycamore, (laughs) Linda Dublin. The laxative tastes awful too, yeah, yeah, it's rubbish, right? I've got to go down the page because I'm spinning here. Clean prep does what it says in the cover, Garth Jones. It does, it's evil stuff. Right? I don't. I mean, I don't know how they invented it. <coughs> I mean, you know, how did they invent it? They must have had loads of guinea pigs, loads of people going, "We've got this stuff, right? We'd like you to try it, because we're 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 trying to do the same for um, bell evacuations." And I'm, oh yeah, I'll, I'll do that. It's six pounds an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boof. Oh, this is another one we've invented. Oh, and then you get this thing about what you can eat and what you can't eat as well for two days, right? Uh, Janice Stankovic, your cousin lives in Scotland, near Perth, right? Sally Hart, I'd love to be your gardener, but Birmingham is a bit far, yeah. Graham Hooking off your anti-depression medicine this week, fingers crossed, good luck, mate. It's like... <coughs> Pull a bottle of fish and laxative on Friday. I'm sorry, it's like... It's been in my head, you know, it's been, you know... Uh... Richard Dickie Taylor, yeah, 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 I know, uh... David Boyle, fellow Scotsman from Montreal, don't worry, your liver can regrow, drink a lot. Ancestries from Glasgow and Edinburgh have to go back and claim back the Earl title. Oh, the Earl. will listen to you. Oh yeah. It's um I thought this could have been the only kind of programme or the only kind of thing where the Duke Edinburgh is not mentioned. But yeah, it was it was um I couldn't believe it. It was like we switched on the it it was the builders turning around. Somebody said, Oh Duke Edinburgh's dying today. And um and then we switched on and it's, it's on every channel on the TV, you know. And it was, it was sad, you know, it was, and it was sad to see him go at the age he because it was like, you know, being so close to 100, we just hitting that, it's just, you know. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was sad. I mean, I'm, I'm not a royalist by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, um, but yeah, I respect the institution, you know, and I actually met and shook hands with the Duke of Edinburgh. Back in the days when you could shake hands, yeah, I met him at a garden party in a, a Hollywood Palace. We were—I was invited in, believe it or not—and it was um. And we were—he was going around doing a bit, and I was—it's um, like this is this is fish, otherwise known as Dick. And he shook hands, he talked to me, and he was very sharp, very witty, and very scary. And <clears throat> I've met. A lot of people in my life i've met a lot of very very scary people in my life like really scary people right? and uh just people that just emanate power right and he is one he was one without doubt of one of the most powerful scary people i've ever met and when he left, I, I, was, I was speaking to his adjutant who kind of introduced us. And I said to him, I said, man, it's like, you know, I said, uh, he comes across as like an incredibly powerful man. And he actually said to me, and it was straight in mind, he says, you've absolutely no idea how powerful that man is. Right. And, uh, he definitely looked like a man that got things done and, uh, it was good that he lived to to that age, you know. It was uh, he's had some life, and um, so, Prince Philip Duke Edinburgh, rest in peace, mate. Um, yeah. But um, and I've actually I've I've got a photograph. I've got a photograph of myself and my first wife at the garden party, and it's uh, one of them little snaps because you could just it wasn't selfie time back then. You could go excuse me, can I have a selfie. <laughs> You would die, right? Well, right, anyway. Golachi Golatsky, the prep is a good weight loss programme. Yes, very good weight loss programme. You lose, you lose about three pounds instantly, right? Uh, Zach Mack, you'll be brand new after it's all over. Yeah, I really need to get it done. It's been... I don't want to go into too much detail, but it's like I've been waiting. I've been waiting for over a year to get this done, and as I said, I turned down the chance on up when right in the early stages of this year, because, like I said, I didn't want to go in and, and be an agar dish in the Western General, you know. Um, Tusa de Martini, high fish greetings from Mexico City. Linda Dublin, or even birthday when I can type. All right, Paul Emery. <laughs> Janet Jordan, tea finished, strong stomachs here. Nice talk about your evacuation. <laughs> like, Scots, are like that. It's like, you know, we, we can talk about that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, it's like, I, I mean, yeah, storytellers. I've got no bones about it. Graham Taylor, flying to Spain tomorrow, 480 quid on COVID tests. What? I saw that today on, on the, the news. It's, what was it? 200 quid for, um, for your COVID test before you get a flight. Five 500 quid for a family or something like that. It's like, it's crazy. But I mean, um, and you know, we're a bit, I mean, what we're waiting on is basically for Simona and I to get our, to get our second uh, vaccinations. And once we're clear of them, it's going to be July and we just want to go across to, to Germany to see Simona's parents and see her kids. And um, that is top of the agenda, not Spain at the moment. It's going across and seeing family. And uh so we're really just just waiting on, on that happening. and um, But, yeah, I mean, probably by that time, we'll, we'll be hit with the same thing, but, you know, to us, it's worth it. I mean, we've just seen family for a long, long time, you know? Um, Julia Hyatt. I'm sorry I scared you when you met me. I don't remember that. Elaine Bithry. Stefan de Marbeis. What did you nick from Hollywood ballads? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't nick anything. It was like... I never got in the palace. It was only I was only in the garden. Right. Did think about it though. It was a big glass here. You signed that, <laughs> Craig Howley. Happy birthday, mate. Yeah. Oh, I missed that Christian Dyson, Oh, that looked an interesting one. Archie Heslop met him when I got my, my Duke of Edinburgh award when I was sixteen in the townhouse in the Royal Mail. He talked to every person that got the award. He was, he, that was one of the things, I was listening to a couple of things when I was, uh, when I drove down to town and everybody said that, you know, he always had time to spend with people and, and I talked to people. Hello, darling. Guess where my missus was this week. Come on. Come huh? on. was I? Hello. <laughs> Hairdressers. What well, you know, the hairdressers was great. It's like all the hairdressers open and stuff. See but there was cues. There was cues outside like the barbers down in down in Hannington things. I didn't need it. I've got a vowel. I just just do this all myself and my, um this uh <laughs> I'm missing a couple of good ones. Paul Jackson, a good tip, wear loose fitting tracksuit bottoms. Absolutely mate, I learned that the last time. Uh, uh Edge eggs, and cucumbers. Yeah, it was a garden party. Kevin Van Randall, <laughs> Vision Friday from a standing point of view. This was—I don't know what's going to happen. I reckon it's—it's going to be uh, rubber ring moments or whatever and stuff. So, so. Tussie Martini, for yeah. Ian Allen, beware premature evacuation. Listen, I've been in it. I told you. I told you before about the colonoscopy that I went for. But then I got bunged across the Dunfermline for it, and uh, you know when I had this the colonoscopy. For those of you who haven't seen the programme, there was a there was a front gunner and a tail gunner. There was there was a guy that was on the screen, and I'm I'm looking at my, myself internally on this great big colour screen, and there was that go away Callum Skoda, right? That's Skoda spring event. I'll go for that definitely, but um. Yeah, so I had a, there was a front gunner and a tail gunner, and the, the the woman at the front was kind of had the mask on me, which was just kind of basically like you know the gas, the laughing gas, or whatever it was, and the one at the back was kind of making sure everything was alright, and then there was the guy working it and, and taking all the the, the camera shots, <laughs> and I wa- and I'm watching as I said at the time, I was watching it was like a set, it was a set designed by by uh, Riga, you know, it was it was the alien, and um. And cut a long story short, because I told you before, the one at the front was talking, talking to me about chilies, right? And I'm sitting on this glass going, <laughs> getting completely off my face as fast as possible. Right? And I'm going, out. yeah. And then I'm watching myself internally on the TV. And then the woman, the rear tail gunner, started saying, oh, that's a great song. Do you remember Kayleigh? <laughs> Singing Kaylee at me. Well, it's like, and I'm going, no. And it, was, it was awful. But again, that was, I had to do, to go through all that back then, you know? Mark Kelly's 60th birthday today, Darren Wells, yeah, I've sent him a wee message. I actually sung him happy birthday and sent him, it as a message down the phone. I was talking with uh, Lucy Jadash yesterday, we were talking about kind of Fugazi and what we were going to be doing and things. And, um, it was, uh, she said that they were taking a day off from the studio. Steve Rothery seemingly uh, back in the studio after shielding for ages and ages, so they're back playing again. And she said they were taking a day off, so he's probably absolutely off his face at the moment. So happy birthday, Mark. Uh, Linda Dublin. Linda Dublin says you look really smart, darling. Thank you. says thank you. No. Kenny Tate, <laughs> you do your own hair. I've only got two left anyways. I tell you, it's brilliant. Once it, people go like, you know, do you not miss it? Nope. I just like taking that shaver across. Beard and hair, just keep it nice and short. Love it. <laughs> Cole van der Zim, don't say that. Right? Andy Coleman from Plymouth. Andy Laidlaw from Plymouth. Mark Daniel says hello Simone. Yeah. Let's move on. John Watson got your hair cut today for the first time since the weekend before Christmas. <laughs> you must have looked like uh, Tom Hanks on the island. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been great. So Steve is hair got ridiculously wrong. I mean, that's what I'm saying. My one's just way, way, way. Huh? But let's move on. The choice. Oh, I've got to see a couple of things. Uh, Bob and Jenny, I'll do you later. Um, Doris Brendel, if you're watching, I'm really glad everything's gone okay. Doris Brendel was in, in the hospital a, a couple of weeks back and was really nervous, and she's fine, she's great. And I talked to her this week, and she sent me up a, a, a DVD, which is I need to watch. which uh, But I want to say, uh, Simon T, I don't know if you say it's L- Livesley, Livesley, Simon T, Livesley, thank you very much. Now, Simon sent me up, or sent Simone and I up, a bottle of Lafraig, um, or Lafraig, um, the Smoky peat Whiskey, which was the favourite of Tony Stratton-Smith and um, off Charisma Records. And uh, we had two or three very lovely evenings just sitting here, just having a couple of wee tumbles, and it was lovely. I hadn't had it for years because I'm not really a whiskey drinker but it was absolutely beautiful and he sent me up the uh, Dead Can Dance album and I'm, it's, I've not listened to it yet but it was something that I wanted here because I, I loved the band like years and years ago and I hadn't heard the album you sent up so thank you very much for the bottle time but it was interesting I was, I was sitting there with Simona the other night going what songs will, will I pick out? And uh, it was... Um, and i have forgotten about Fortunes of War. And, of course, I put it up for the vote today, and everybody went for it. It was it got a really high hit. And uh, the, a couple of other ones have got interesting stories. I've got greats as well. And it was... But Fortunes of War, I'd completely forgotten about this. And, um... The actual... The lyric that that started the whole thing off, right, was, um, I heard a wheelchair whisper across a stale stagnant gymnasium trailing an Ivy League jacket like a matador through the jitterbug steps of the night before. That was the first three lines that I wrote. And they were actually written, right, believe it or not, in 1987, right? And I can't remember... The name of the guy I was with it because it was so long ago and it was just one of those weird nights. But um but we did a we did a show and we were in Grand Rapids in Michigan in the in the USA. And we finished the show and I met up with this guy in a wheelchair, and he was a Vietnam War veteran. And um we got talking, and he was really interesting, and I, th- it was, I, th- I can't remember how we ended up there, or even how we got there. But we ended up sitting next to... Uh, sitting next to a river. We were sitting on the riverbank, and it was just... Myself and this guy, I seem to remember. And we had this incredible conversation. We were sitting there, sipping away on whatever alcohol we had, and we had a couple of doobies and things. And um, we were... Talking about war and talking about coming back, and he was telling me he told me his whole story about what had happened to him and things and it was it was absolutely fascinating and um and he mentioned that thing about going back to to school and you know going to the school dance and things you know after he'd been you know wounded when he ended up in the chair and it, it kind of inspired me and I remember seeing at the time you know i'd love to write about that and um I've still got this kinda a bloody vision of this riverbanking in Grand Rapids. And like I said, I mean we were out till you know, two, three in the morning, I think, before I went went back to the hotel. But I remember writing that you know, I heard a wheelchair whisper across a stale stagnant gymnasium, trilling an Ivy League jacket like a matador. And the phrasing of that kinda led into the fortunes of Warner. And it was interesting because um, it, it's on the Suits album. And I wrote this song with uh, James Cassidy, who came up with an kind of original idea, and Robin Bolt. And it was... I actually I kept this because I wanted to read it because I thought it was interesting. This is the, the, the Suits remaster. And James Cassidy was brilliant. He produced the, the Suits album. It was a great time for the two of us. It was for him... I'd met James when he did Spartacus and I was asked to sing on the Spartacus album and we became really good friends at that point and at the time I was looking for a producer and, and somebody to work with on basically what was going to be the, um, the independent record label that I was setting up, you know, because I'd, I'd just been, uh, you know, I was being dropped by Polydor and uh, I was just being dropped by Polydor and I got offered a pain gig, which was like, wow, I'll take that. And like I said, I met James, and I said, you know, would you like to work together? And after the Jeff Wayne project, he was basically left on his own, and he came up and stayed here for quite a while, and he produced the songs from the Mirror album and and the Suits album. And um, we kind of got it together, and he wrote this... And when I put the remaster together, James kind of... Um, he said, I'll, I'll write it. I said, would you, would you write some things about your memories back then? You know, And he went, yeah. And it, this is what he wrote in Fortunes of War. Right? It's very small writing, so excuse me if I stumble. Right? He said, in my opinion, this is the piece of the resistance of the album. I may be biased as this was, again, my composition, but I still listen to the full eight-minute production... And get goosebumps. The lyric resonates with a timeless quality and vibrant imagery. So my greatest challenge was how to bring an air of suspense and understated grandeur to the music production. To have the music be as equally dark, epic and powerful as the narrative. To give it an omnipresent quality, a quasi state of otherworldliness. It was definitely my biggest production challenge on the album. I initially approached it from several experimental angles in an attempt to create the ideal sonic bed for the story. The original composition was written on piano, but I wanted the main theme to barely move, yet still follow the core compositional structure. Foz and I worked for ages to find a very legato, floating, moody keyboard pad sound upon which to play the main progression. It moves through the piece almost in slow motion. The next challenge was to have Kevin drum a non-intrusive yet sympathetic rhythm to the mood. We tried multiple mic techniques to create a more ambient room sound and even considered having no drums. I had Kevin detune and re-tune his drum skins until we found a tone that worked. Davy Payton Payton has also played some impressive bass and used his fretless bass to interpret the main keyboard theme, after which he switched a five-string staccato motif during the Sometimes When They Fall section. There are subtle, interpolative mood arrangements throughout the production utilising ambient, Debro slide, acoustic riffs, Celtic whistles, saxophone, layered backing vocals, harmonies, ambient pianos, jet airplane samples and distant pulsing guitars. We even brought a local armourer with a selection of guns to sample guns, cocking and different sized shells dropping on the slate floor. It all found its way into the arrangement in what is an incredibly dimensional slow motion production that hovers in a state of suspended freefall the other two very memorable moments in the track. Fish came to me with a last verse lyric that conveyed some startling imagery. I heard a wheelchair whisper across a stale stagnant gymnasium, trailing an Ivy League jacket like a matador through the field jitterbug steps of the night before. The problem was he wanted to do the impossible and sing it all in one breath within the first four bars of the music. <laughs> You may recall I mentioned the challenges of making music and the lyrics and vice versa, but sometimes there are things that are only be simple de- simply defined as fish. I remonstrated endlessly with him, but he insisted that the lyric had to had to be sung and delivered as a cohesive narrative. Nobody except fish could have pulled that off, and I smile every time I hear it. Right. And so, to my favourite yet understated solo on the album, the twin acoustic guitar solo performed by both Frank and Robin, a seriously late-night arrangement that morphs into Frank's most haunting Gibson lead performance on the album, which is itself joined by a saxophone to give the solo a magnificent musical resolution. I remembered Frank lighting up, sitting back to listen to what he played and just soaking it all in, eyes closed, fulfilled. Uh, and, uh, yeah... And I remember I remember having that argument with James. You can't sing that. You can't sing that. You can't do that. <laughs> and I said, well, that's the words, right? That is what it is. And the thing was, I mean, even when I, if I, if I try and, you know, people say, well, yeah, you write poetry, right? But it's, it's a really difficult thing to do, to, to actually go through this lyric, because I automatically fall into the album, because it's like I had to find the way to phrase all the the, the to, to phrase all, all the, the different syllables and, and the movements within the lyric and to catch the catch the flow of it and, and, and get the imagery working, which was very, very difficult. And even this rose bed scattered across the lawn, like the squares at Waterloo with bayonets of thorns repelling small children in search of lost tennis balls, imaginary cannonballs that were fired at the legs of galloping cavalry, resting their dreams in the shade of the apple trees, toy soldiers, drunk on warm lemonade. And it, it, that was what was really difficult. Once it's... The original lines, like I said, was I heard a wheelchair whisper across the steel side in the gymnasium trailing an ivory jacket like a mirador through the Jair of So the night before... Finding that breath was really difficult, right? But once I got into that, that, that style of writing and james had james had the 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 keyboard part and the piano part it it was that was where i started to play about and it was kind of like it's like quasi jazz freezing, you know rose Best is ba 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 It's it's very rhythmic and all, and it was it became a very difficult lyric to write because once I've I kind of like signed on for the journey and once I'd signed on for it, it was like it was a test to get it all done, and to make it so kind of. I had to intensify everything. I mean, the, the song was 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 eight or eight and a half minutes long, as, as James pointed out, and um, it was trying to keep people's attention and trying to keep the trying to keep the drama perched on the the, the top of the music and um, trying to relay the story of it all. Was it was a it was. A, I'm really proud of it, and it's. Um, you know, what What James and Robin and I wrote, it was, it, when we, we, we did put it all together, it was stunning. James, and I think, you know, the remaster that was done by Kyle Malcolm when he actually remastered this album, it sprung so much out of the song and it kind of took on a, a different life. I mean, a lot of things I remember from that time. It was, um, I mean, the, the, the song was about, um, as I said, it was, it was the Vietnam vet, but it was... It was about a relationship to the army, I think, especially as boys to men and the way, you know, that, you know, young men or boys, you know, children, you know, are given soldiers and there's a romanticism about it. And, you know, you read the stories, those kind of boys own stories about, you know, you know. Captain such and such defending the position in in car or whatever it is you know, and all it's all these stories of adventure, but you don't see what's really going on, in the in the same way as you could say computer games nowadays, where there's the engagement, but there's not the soul, and there's not the actual full emotional spectrum that that goes with it, and um. And there isn't the blood in the guts and the gore. And I think, you know, when you're brought up as a a child with soldiers, it is all uniforms and colours and glory. I mean, I remember, you know, you know, as as a young boy with my friends, you know, you're playing at Japs and Jerry's or whatever it was and, and things and chasing each other about and bang, you're dead. And there was a line I really loved in it. It was, um, uh, It's that, and the children dream of glory to that. As the sun sets low on these playing fields, an army returns bearing swords and shields, dustbin lids and raspberry canes, they'll live to fight another day. For warriors' medals, milk bottle tops, battle flags, flags fashioned from mother's old tablecloths, bright colours run in the summer rain. And sometimes when they fall, they will pretend that their hanky is a bandage to stop the bleeding. And imagine city streets and desert storms and foreign fields. There's bullets flying. These are the fortunes of war. And I wanted to... There was an idea at the time with that lyric to actually... um, To to try and get into arms dealing. You know, and I I wanted to get... I want to mention arms dealing. People actually making money from it. But it it was going to become overcomplicated. And it was going to move... It was going to become a suite, not a song. You know? And um, so... I had to kind of nod at it, but it was, it was that thing. I tried to hint at the fact that, like, you know, people were making money out of it. And um, and all those things, like I said, milk bottle tops. The old, for people that can remember milk bottle tops, the little silver round milk bottle tops, make ton of medals and put bits of paper. And I did. My mum did used to make, you know, old tablecloths and she'd make flags. And I remember running down Animal's Park in Dalkeith and, and flying the flag and the colours and stuff like that. And it was all a game, you know. But, you know, some people move forward in that. And, you know, I was brought up with toy soldiers and I was fascinated by the army. My cousin, my cousin Tommy, was in the army. And I remember um, he gave me his Glen Gary. And uh, he'd, he'd been in Aidan and eventually ended up in Northern Ireland, which is another complete story. But, all uh, right. And um, he gave me his Glen Gary and I And I had a blue... United Nations berry, right? That he, that he gave me. He he got them all back because it was like they were obviously like powerful. mementos for him, and and I was running about playing with them, and it was great fun. But that was uniforms and glory and soldiers, and you know, and um. But as I said, it's it's like you know, the joining up becomes a whole different thing, and the reality of the situation, and you know, the blood the gore and the death and, of course, the wounded, the wheelchairs, you know, and it was, um, it was, it's, I followed him down to the church parade where he makes his peace every Armistice Day. I watch him fade away, melt in the autumn rain, for sometimes when they fall, they can't pretend that the hankies are bandage, they can't stop the bleeding. They're out in city streets and desert storms, foreign fields with bullets flying. These are the fortunes of war. While their children dream of glory and fortunes of war, safe in bed with stories and fortunes of war, of uniforms and glory, the fortunes of war, fortunes of war. And, yeah, and it was... It, it, I was very caught up in it. I mean, you know, I, like I mentioned before, you know, I, I wanted to join the army when I was, um, when I was young. I, I did... I actually went to, uh, we went down to the Norfolk Broads. My my mum and dad got, we had a boat with my aunt Liz and uncle Charlie. And uh, we went to Norfolk Broads and we stopped in Norwich. It was the first time I was ever in Norwich. And um, there was an army display on. And I always fancied tanks. You know, because when I used to watch all the movies, I loved the war movies when I was a kid as well. But I mean, Audie Murphy, it's like, You know, when you look at Audie Murphy, one of the most decorated soldiers in in the American Army in the Second World War, I found it strange because he became an actor and kind of sold the lie in a way. You know, he he sold the glory and everything. And, you know, but everything else, the John Wayne stuff and everything was all kind of, it, it, it wasn't real, you know. And I found it strange that Audie Murphy did that. And, uh... And I was there, caught up in the Audium of it all, the John Wayne and the Richard Widmark stuff and the Saturday night movies and things. And I went down to Norwich and I must have been about, oh, God, uh, 12, 13-year-old, I think, maybe a bit older. And uh, and it was the Royal Scots and it was like the tanks. And I was obsessed with Waterloo. And um, it was... Uh, I thought, John the Royal Scots, tanks. Because as I said, I, did, I didn't want to start running about I mean, The Duke Edinburgh Award put me right on walking about with a rucksack. <laughs> and I went in and I did the, the, the tank course where, you know, you get in and it's like you've got to work to the mirrors because obviously the controls are all the wrong way, know, for those of you who may, may not understand. And I came back and the next thing, you know, I got a call and I, I'd, I'd mentioned in Norwich that, you know, I quite fancied... Um, I quite fancied going to military college and going to Santos, right? And uh, wanted to become an officer. <laughs> and they sent a car for me, right? And they, they they picked me up in a car and took me to an interview in in, in Edinburgh, which I failed dramatically. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't cut out for it. But it was but that was all part of my thing, and that was all part of the kind of that inspiration and what I was thinking about when when I was putting together a lyric for for fortunes and um. And I think I should kind of play it, really, because we're out of time. It's five to seven, and it's time for time for a song. So we're further ado. Remote. Getting good now, eh? Getting good. Now I've got to get up. Shit. Oh, if you hear any cracks, don't worry. Just me. Oh, yeah. Bastardos. It is really that bad. one Yeah, Fortunes of War from the Suits remaster album. The, the, the remaster, as I said, that Callum Malcolm did was absolutely incredible. And, uh, and as a couple of people pointed out, yeah, it was on the movie Chasing the Deer that I was in. And um, John Wetton, yes, he wrote the, the, the main track on it. Um, great. It was, uh, I never met John during that time. But I got a chance. It was part of the thing about me being in the movie. I actually did, um, I did an audition for Braveheart with Mel Gibson, um, a couple of months before, and, uh, which is another story, but, um, I ended up on the, the, the film Chasing the Deer, because there was a guy called Bob Carruthers, who was a Scottish guy, who, um, was actually involved with Mostly Autumn, which I found out later in my life, and, um, and Bob Carruthers put together this movie. He used to do all these um, kind of battleground things on uh, History Channel, and he did this. He did a shotload of footage for um, a, a program he did in Culloden. and he got this idea to do this movie called Chasing the Deer. And uh, it was an independent movie. I didn't realise how independent it actually was, and um, I kind of signed on for it, and. Uh, it was it was great to do it was uh, a challenge <laughs> i remember sitting up there near, near culloden moore and um uh, doing the battlefield scenes and there's like four of us like sitting in the back of a full cotina or whatever it was <laughs> hunched around a pack of embassy eagles, and like, puffing away going like you know when it our call time and i played uh, cameron and i had to I had to die in it and it was a uh, it was uh... a <laughs> Yeah, it was really strange watching my death scene on the on the on the on the, the, the big screen, but, unfortunately, it was part of my my payoff. I earned absolutely nothing for the movie. Basically, the way Bob Bob did did movies was, uh, he got them financed, and he, he kind of what he did was he got a lot of people to chip in, and you paid to become an extra. So there was all these people kind of invested in the movies, and part, of, part in return for their investment they got a chance to, to to be an extra. So he got free extras and he got money for the movie. And then as soon as the movie came out, he, he basically... um I think it was Cromwell Pictures or something it was for. And uh he, he took the company out and he managed to retain the movie and you still see it in sky. I've never seen a single penny of it. <laughs> it was a... It's, it's, it's a very... It's, it's a decent enough film, but it's a... But you know, it was kind of it was a, it was an experience, <laughs> and there was there was some there was some pretty d- decent actors in it. But I mean, everybody was just working for you know less than equity rates, and it was kind of you know there was a, a lot of the equity people were getting up the the union were getting a bit pissed off because it was like the payments were like so small. But I mean, fortunes of war. I mean, it was it was the second single off the suits album, and. Uh, I came up with this brilliant plan. It was a, it was a cunning, cunning, cunning plan. And uh, basically, the idea, because you know, back in the day when we, we used to put singles, the problem was always trying to maintain a chart position and influence radio. So, you know, because as soon as radio saw that, that, that you, you were dropping, right? Um, the we play you. And I already knew that I was going to find it difficult. I mean, it was a great song. The edit was pretty good. It was a, a song that was what we considered to be radio-friendly and others, including the pluggers that I paid for to, to get the song on. And um, I decided that, you know, let's take a really off-the-ball approach. And that was to put a package together that had four CDs in it. And the idea was that you bought the the, the package, and the package held, like I said, four CDs, you know? And um, when you first bought it, you got one CD, and there was three blanks inside it, paper blanks, CDs. So they were like, you know, they looked like CDs, but they were made of paper. And they filled the other three trays. And the idea was that we sold the single... In the first week, right? And that everybody would come back and buy CD2, CD3, CD4. And that way we could kind of keep a, a, a kind of chart position because if you sold, the idea was if you sold kind of 10,000, say for example, in the first week, that, you know, 10,000 people would come back and buy CD2, CD3, CD4. So you would have that plus other people would discover it on the way, so you'd sell more of CD1 and CD2 at the same time. And, um, and it, it was great, It was but it was too bloody complicated. And, um, and uh, we didn't pick up the radio plays. We got zero, as always. And what happened was the shops couldn't get their... The retail outlets couldn't get their head round what we were actually doing. And... There was another factor played, the greed factor came into it, where a lot of stores basically kept the first CD and then collected two, three, and four and then sold it as an acoustic album, right, for, like, you know, a lot of money and um, sold it as a limited edition acoustic album by Fish. because at the time it was kind of... There was a lot of these MTV unplugged things going on and that was what I was kind of latching into as well. You know, if we, if we do the acoustics and we took the... We'd taken the Suits album out and we were playing a lot of the HMV stores and things. And it was, it was all supposed to work. But as I said, the shops didn't understand it. So they sold it the first week, right? And then when people came in to buy the second CD, the shops went, oh, well, the chart position wasn't that good. So like, we didn't bother buying it anymore. So people couldn't find CD two, three and four, right? Or, you know, they were having to buy the full pack. It became, it was a great idea. Badly executed, and um, my distrib- distribution company at the, the time in, in, uh, in England just—they didn't latch on it. They didn't. They couldn't get their head round it, and the sales team couldn't get their head round it, and it was—and um, it failed traumatically. So there's loads of these. We, we used to get loads of people around us going, "I'm, I'm looking for CD three of Fortunes of We don't have, do have them." <laughs> and, uh, but, um. It's, it's, quite, it's quite a collector's item now. I mean, the, the, the four CDs in, in the one pack, you know? And you can still find it on eBay. And they, you find it for fortune. The cover of the thing was uh, a photograph that was taken on the video shoot because we got permission. I'm, I'm sure it was, it was uh, Hamish Barber did it. I'm sure it was Hamish Barber directed it. And um, he did the the, the lion one, and we got permission to actually film Edinburgh Castle at night, when all the punters were out. And we got to use a 25-pounder gun, an artillery piece. And we kind of draped it with a Union Jack. And we actually had, we got a load of um, uh, poppies, like paper poppies, that we, we bought from, I think it was Erskine House or whatever, to do, to do with this ex-serviceman and things. And um, we bought all these poppies, so we had all these poppies scattered on the ground. And we had the the gun carriage with a uh, with the Union Jack representing the military funeral things, and we had a bunch of kids playing about. And we, two, we had photographs The kids were wearing suits of armor and wearing military uniforms and things, and it looked great. The photograph didn't do it justice at all. In all honesty, I think um, it didn't really come across. The video was fantastic. Hamish done an, an amazing video, and it was. Um, it was a lot of that was filmed at Gullin Beach, and a, a lot of the kids were uh, friends of Tara's, and, and, and Tara's in the, the the video, somewhere in the video. And um, but it was it was a great video. I, I loved. It was it, again the the video was powerful, but it, it just didn't hit the mark. But I mean, with that, it was it was a it was a real letdown for us at the time. I think you know because we expected a lot from the song, but it, it just it didn't happen. So it was a uh, But the the saxophone on the track, by the way, was uh, Bill Gillis, who was a real character. And uh, he came in here. James was tearing his hair out working with him because Bill, um, we've got very, very, very... (laughs) And he wanted to play saxophone over everything. And James spent ages cutting that sax part together to make it all work. And James Cassidy did a brilliant work producing it. And it is a song that I'm, I'm really, really proud of. But it's uh, it's um, there it a couple other notes. Yeah, there was the Chasing the deer thing, the Brian others. and um, and oh, Charlie McCarran and and Mark Duff they they played the whistles. The guys from Capra, uh, Cape McKeily or Cape they played uh, uh, the the whistles and stuff on it and and lent something, you know. No, yep. it was cool. It was cool. Phil well, still got my f- fortunes of war pack. Yeah. John Watson, the lady at the line from Suits would have been a top 10 single giving some decent radio play. Yeah, but it's the same as all my songs. In all honesty, it's like, you know, it, I just never got the radio play and I hired Pluggers and spent, you know, thousands of pounds, even as an indie, we were spending a lot of money getting people to take these songs to the radio and which just didn't get anywhere on, with them at all. Didn't get anywhere. It was, it was you know, it was a bit, bit of pressure, didn't Anyway, Moving on. Kurt Jensen, what part did you audition for in Braveheart? I auditioned for Mel Gibson's brother. It was, uh... It's actually the guy, right at the start of the movie. Um, I can't remember what his name was. I've I've not seen the movie for a while. But it was, uh... It was his brother, who's the the ginger hair. He was a sweet stocky guy. And, uh... And it was, like, his best mate when he was a kid and, and stuff. And they were, uh... I went down to do the audition, but I was um, too tall. <laughs> I think that was kind of really what it was. I mean, I was I was quite surprised how how short Mel was, and they flew me down to London and I met him in this hotel in the West End. And uh, I walked into the suite and I've never been so nervous in my life. It's like you know meeting Mel Gibson, you know, and uh, and that was before Braveheart, right? So it was <laughs> obviously. But yeah, so I, was, um, I went into the I went into the, the, the suite and we just sat about and, and talked and we just you know talked about bits and pieces. He was a lovely bloke, really nice bloke, and you know he came up and stood next to me and stuff like that. And they took me down to a wig shop. I went down to a wig shop down at the back of the Columbia Hotel, and I tried on all these wigs to see, see. And it was great. I'd never been in a wig shop before. Never been in one since either. <laughs> And yeah, so I tried all these wigs on, and it was uh, it was stunning. And I thought I was I was doing okay. And uh, and they were asking me about my availability, and I thought well, I might actually have this. And then about months later, I got a very nice letter from Mel Gibson, which I still have signed. And it was like we regret to say, right. And um, I was told it was basically because, you know, we weren't going to look right together standing next to each other, And you know. And the guy, they, and they came back and they said, look, we'd love you to be in the movie. And, uh, and I kind of went, well, you know what, it's kind of difficult because I had the Suits album and I had the, the Suits tour coming off and things and when the shoot was going to happen and what they were wanting wasn't really fitting in with my plans. And I kind of thought at the time, I'm just going to end up as, you know, Body number thirty-eight on a battlefield, where where an arrow stuck in me or something, and um and I didn't do it, and there's some part some parts of me re- regret that, and others go, you know what, it's like you know, it's I know guys that were in it. There was um uh, there was a, quite a few people I knew that that were in it, um including uh Tam White, who actually signed to the Dick Brothers label round about that time, and and. Tam had one of those roles where it was like he came running in the hill. <laughs> Tam was a really heavy smoker as well. And they had him running back and forth. He thought he was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> and he comes running to he we're here for the fight or something like that. Where are we here? And that was it. That was his one line. And that was his thing in the film. right? But I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, the movie, it was you know, when it came out, it was spectacular. And uh, But, you know, I've seen it. It's not... Really historically accurate by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> you know. But it's, uh but yeah. But that was when when I met up with, with Mel Gibson. Under some other bits and pieces in there, but I'm not telling you about them yet. You, you read the book, you know. Dave Gelder, which song was biggest disappointment as a single release? I don't know. Just Good Friends was a Was I think sh- Just Good Friends should have been a, 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 a should have been a hit. Gentlemen's excuse me. You know, there's there's quite a few of them. You know, I mean. Uh, <laughs> Rico Anker, yep, that would be your highlighting acting body with an arrow sticking out your back. Uh, Steve Blissett, Brendan Gleeson's part, no, it wasn't. It was, uh, or was it? I can't remember. Like, I haven't watched the film for ages. It's not something, Juice time Tam White was great. I still have one of his live albums from the Preservation Hall. Yeah, Tam was brilliant. He did a great album for us. We'd, you know, Tam hadn't put out an album for ages and, uh um, I don't know if I, f- I should have a Tam White album here. And uh, there's a couple of great songs. Anyway, it was um, James Cassidy uh, produced his album because Tam hadn't done an album for years and years and years and he was a, he was a very well-known figure on, on the, the, the blues circuit up here. And I thought, well, if, if he got an album out, then there was a chance that, you know, it could take off and, and it would work. And it was Man Dancing was the the was the track that Amazon Somebody get up Liam, could you get up please? Well yeah, man Dancing. let me see if I can find it. Bear with me. Ah oh. uh, is it under W. I don't double use way down the bottom. I might not be able to get back up. Uh, de- 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 de. the stuff up there. Wait a minute. I'm going to have to put this down. Oh, I'll show you this. This is the mess that is our house at this moment in time. This is because Disco Borg was disrupted. So it was... um And... I don't have to give any warnings now because it doesn't work. This is where the disco bog is now. And that, basically the drain of the shower was supposed to go into that pipe and it was supposed to be all fixed, but it was done as a DIY job. And as my current guys said, who are brilliant guys, right, they said that problem started in day one He said they just didn't join the pipe up properly. So from the moment I ran my very first shower in here, that was filling up with water. And I went all underneath the floor, all the way down there, all under that floor, so the door wouldn't shut. It all swelled up. And a bunch of cowboys, basically. And I had no idea, and it was pointless, even thinking about an insurance claim, because I checked out the Financial Conduct Services Authority, whatever it's called... And it was like, you know, wear and tear, long-term damage, forget it. So that was just the ka factor. So thank God my Warner's Marillion royalties came through. And they're about half cover where we were at on this. Let me find it. Do you want to do what's for dinner and talk for a minute? It's too quick. It's too quick? I've got to find the Tam White album. I want to play man dancing. Bear with me. Where is it? It's this one. It's up here somewhere. <laughs> Where is it? Where is it? It's the bear album. Can you check and see if Tom White's down in the W's? Oh no, here it is.
2: Derek Dick and his amazing electric bear.
0: It's bloody empty!
2: Hey.
0: No Tom hey. White. You know what's like when you play albums and you forget to put the CDs in, the CDs accumulate. And then all of a sudden you're in a situation where it's... Bear with me, bear with me. She's not scratched. It's a good sign. This album was deleted. I gave... Tam sadly died quite a while back and like I said, track eight, Tam sadly died quite a few years ago and the album didn't sell anything so when, when he passed away I got in touch with his widow and we never made a penny off it, we spent a fortune making this album and Four, five... Six. Eight. And we gave the album and all the publishing back to his widow. And I don't know what's happened, but this is Man Dancing from Tam White.
2: The fall man dancing on the welfare line, dancing on the heroin line, dancing chasing night at the day man, dancing a most peculiar way. Hail, big chief, make me shiver in my skin. What's going down? Tell me where the hell you've been. There's a trap of proud people.
0: He was an absolute lovely bloke, an absolute really. This guy he used to come down to the farm quite a bit, and uh, that's Tam. That's the face of a blues man. He was a lovely guy, and um, he used to come down for coffee and things, and, and bring his guitar. And we'd be sitting through in the kitchen in the main house, and he, he, Tam would just come and go, oh, "We track for you," and that was his boys for like that. You know, like play me track. And he'd just start playing, and he'd be through in the kitchen. He'd be through in the kitchen for hours, sitting talking, and then he'd play another song and have a cup of coffee, and roll one up. And like you know, great friend of Frank Usher's as well. And um, but he was just really sad. He's he, he, everybody loved Tam, but nobody bought his albums, and that's what happened. It was like. You know, we put the album, we, we gave him loads of albums to sell and, and people, you know, his, his regulars bought them, but it just didn't move. And again, we're trying to get him radio playing, nothing. And we thought, you know, in Scotland, we're bound to get plays up in BBC Scotland. Got a couple of bits and pieces, but it just didn't happen. And um, I think he got a wee bit despondent with it. He, he never really got down. He was always kind of, he took what he had and he had a tough life. He was a, he was a Mason as well. And a, an actual stone mason, and he used to make gravestones and stuff. And um, he had loads of issues and problems and things in his life with alcohol and those sorts of things. But he was a real character, a really a, a real man's man. And it was like I said, it was just really sad. And as I, as I said as well, it was like you know when he passed away, so I just gave the, the all the tapes and everything, just gave them to his wife and said, that's their yours, You know, do what you can with them. And I thought something could, you know, could happen, but I don't know what she did with them, you know. But it was was really cool, really cool. um, But listen, one of the things I'm going to start doing is, like, I think with the lockdown easing off as well, you know, and also it's it's like, you know, the two-hour shows are are becoming long, long, and I'm trying to keep the content up without waffling too much. So I'm going to be starting dragging it back a wee bit. And I was talking with Simona about it as well. And uh, so I'm thinking about taking the shows down from two hours and bringing them into, like, kind of that hour and a half kind of marker and, and or hour, 15 minute, and maybe once a month doing a kind of special so that, A, I don't get boring and I don't start repeating myself. So I hope that's not going to upset anybody, but it's uh, kind of where I feel we should be going with this, you know? And on top of that, I'm going to be dealing with a lot of stuff in, in the coming weeks that... You know, it's going to be a bit debilitating, and so... There it goes. But i take some bits and pieces with it. Toby's fine to be, he loved the waffling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I delayed a lot, no three hours, da da, da. It's, Yeah, it's good, they're getting, the long shows, and they've been great doing lockdown, and we're coming out, and the, the nights are, the nights are moving out as well. And it's then people are kind of getting out and about. And I think this has worked. I'm keeping the shows going, but like I think I've I've, I've got to start just pulling them in a wee bit because it's um it's kinda of where it's at now, you know. But um <laughs> oh god I'd know I had another two hours. It's um yeah, it's to keep it interesting and keep it smart so that they don't start getting boring and you know like I said, you know, during lockdown and the depths of lockdown they were great and now we're we're kind of easing our way out. I should kinda of ease my way back. I'm still going to keep them going because there's a lot of stuff happening and there's a lot of information that I can pass on to you about things that are going on, the projects that are, are happening. And once we start getting into it, you know... Are you all right, darling?
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Oh, I've got to say thanks a lot to Doc Bob, and I'll show you why. <coughs> Doc Bob Davison. <sighs> and, oh, God almighty. Jenny. Doc Bob and Jenny setting us up some paprika. We're swapping it for some herbs from up here. So, um... This is the missus.
2: Hello.
0: And what's for dinner tonight's smoothie? Stir fry. What kind of stir fry?
1: That's it's only a... Reason. Pak choy. Pak choy, bean sprouts, these...
0: Yeah. Pepper. Yeah, we'll get, start, we'll get start getting the pak choy going in the garden because the cloche is still there. Everything's still moving. This is the back end of the house. You can just see I've got the grow lights in above the tomatoes out there. So trying to boost everything the high This stuff's looking great. Yes, the history of lockdown in a basket.
1: Mm.
0: So what are we having? Oh, shiitakes.
1: Shiitakes, ginger. All
0: things. Yeah. Lots of things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With some cut-up steak bits and pieces. Yes. Yeah. But, yeah, so hopefully I'm going to get the shiitakes. This is the last thing we're thinking about doing. Is that, um, you know, we're talking with Simone about it because, as I said, you know, lockdown easing off. You know, we got to get out in the garden as well. So what we might be doing is kind of switching more at a funny farm and I've got a, have got to kind of think about the future as well I mean um, I'm in a situation where you know the reality is there's the six shows in 2022 I can't see any touring happening at all as I said before the venues are all booked up and uh, it's impossible to put a run of gigs together in the venues that I need to play and stuff and um, so although the, the six shows that I'm doing this year they're not my farewell tour. It's not my farewell tour. It's um I'm hoping it's not. <laughs> so, um so the idea is that it's gonna be two thousand twenty three and I've gotta kinda of think long and hard about what's gonna be happening next year. And and someone and I have gotta think long and hard. There's a lot of stuff gonna be happening in our lives. There's gonna be changes occurring here and in, in, in the house and stuff, and the way we deal with things and the way this house operates and I think with the garden, it's gonna be coming more into play. And so what I'm thinking about doing and what Simone and I are thinking of doing is, is kind of taking Fishing Friday down, right? And then doing a funny farm kitchen garden um kind of broadcast, but rather than it being on specific days, it's actually setting up uh, a site where, you know, people can join in and um and, and be part of it all. So we put up videos of uh, recipes that someone does, her cooking, my gardening, stories in the garden and things like that. And I think that could be our way forward in 2022 because I'm going to have to adjust. I mean, we've got the live album, that, the, the, which is the live from Glasgow, uh, recording from the 2018 tour. I've got 13 star, I've got Vigil, I've got um, Internal as projects. Uh, Feast the Consequences, Callum Malcolm is, is putting together this week. Uh... Um, a, a new uh, remaster of it, and we're going to be redoing that vinyl edition with some other tracks with the, the main album, and the same with 30 Star. But it's going to take months and months to get together because of the vinyl manufacturing plants. So I'm kind of limited in, on what I can do. And you know, the music side of things is going to be, I wouldn't say taking exactly a back seat, but it's not going to be as prominent as it was and you know maybe this is the time for me to start getting a writing but also with the garden so once I get through whatever is going to happen to my spine and whatever's going to happen with the other end it's um and especially next year we're thinking about taking um uh the funny farm kitchen garden project in a whole other area where it would be a kind of maybe a subscribe thing, I don't know, not expensive, but just, you know, we need to try and find a way to, to earn a living. I mean, um, the bottom line is, in the last two years, we've taken a very, very big hit, a very, very big hit. And, you know, it's like two, 2023 is year marked as being the farewell tour, and I'll be 65, so it's time to think about what I'm doing with myself and what someone and I are doing together as well. So it's all good, but it's uh, but it's time to kind of rethink and readjust to stuff. And as I said, I think with Fishing Friday, you know, it's time to just just pull it in a bit, keep it going because I know there's a lot of you out there that kind of it means it means a lot to quite a lot of people out there, and um, and I want to be able to do that, and I still enjoy doing the program, but. I'm just thinking now that as we're moving it a little down two hours is kind of stretching it and let's make it a bit more concentrated right so as it stands it's 25 2 and i'm going to take this in line and i'm going to play a final track and i thought i'd play one that was kind of apt for today's show let's leave as we went out so this is going to be where it's at so finally i'm going to play you this one because This is what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be back in another scanner again and dealing with it all. So I thought, I'll give you this one. Because it's relative. And everything must be relative. So to end tonight... Jane tonight, this is the song. You you
1: Questions for a judgment on my soul
0: Grace of God, the track with a scratch from an album called Weltchance, my last album. Man with a stick. So I'm going to be very soon. Listen, thanks for this. I loved your comments. It's really, I really appreciate them. It's been fun, darling. Do I come and say goodbye? Some. Get the missus in. Yeah, it's um, like I said, it's um, next week I'm gonna cut it back to about probably an hour and a half. But what I like to do is take if I can get Fish and Friday down to like a really concise, like tasty hour, and then maybe once someone's do kind of like a tour special, you know, mm-hmm. and it means that you know, my mum gets fed in time as well because we cook for Simona cooks for her on Friday. So, my mum's always good to wait to the end of the programme. Have you done your programme yet, son? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, done it. So, but yeah, it's, you know, it's all over. We're still dealing with it. But as I said, lockdown's easing off, sun's coming out, people are able to do things now and do things on a Friday night. And the pubs will soon be open. By God. <laughs> so, yeah, but. um. But yeah i'm still carrying on fishing friday will still carry on but it's just going to change in the, the length of the format and you know someone and i were talking about this in the last kind of week or so mm-hmm. and you know we're out in the garden more and as my daughter said you talk too much about bloody gardening so we think we're going to make fishing and, Fish and friday will stay a free thing right but funny farm kitchen garden will take more kind of uh the the garden side of stuff and we'll make. We're thinking about making that a subscription thing, so it helps us in the garden. And most probably, I'm going to have to bring somebody in to help me here. So, uh, yeah, yeah. The
1: garden is too big, fast. It's getting
0: <laughs> too big, and I'm not capable of doing a lot of the stuff that I used to be able to do. And um, I've got to think carefully about this. So that's what we're going to do. It's not a depressing note to end on by any stretch of imagination, because it's the beginning of something kind of. New. New and
2: positive.
0: New and positive. Mm-hmm. Right, which we've all got to be. But as I said, you know, it's not over. Covid's not gone. You know, it's... Yeah, lockdown's easing, but it's not over. And uh, just remember, it's like, you know, it's um, it's still out there. And, you know, our fingers are all crossed for the November tour, and I'll be running this, because there are things that are going to be happening musically, and the stuff to play, and the stuff to hear. I mean, like, it's funny tonight. It's like... There's people coming on here going, like, you know, what track was that? That's <laughs> the Feldschmerz album, right? <laughs> and it's been interesting because I think I've I, I found it interesting because there's a lot of people being kind of finding me. You find it on a Monday when, you know, mm-hmm. you open up and take the orders because weekends are off. And, um, you know, when someone takes the orders and we've played tracks from the remasters and people have gone, oh, what's that? Never heard that before. And that's kind of exciting as well, and the fact that people are rediscovering my stuff. I mean, uh, you know, I kind of, I'd always like to see myself as a kind of like a Nick Drake character in a way, on certain aspects of Nick Drake's career, I must say. And that, you know, I, I didn't even know about Nick Drake. I heard about him, but I never really heard his music until, you know, four or five years ago. And we play Nick Drake albums all the time. And I'd like to think that kind of, that's what's going to happen in my music, that people keep on discovering it and rediscovering it. And Fishing Friday's been a great way to kind of, you know, let people kind of hear what I, what I do. Because a lot of people have got no idea who I am, right? Which is fair enough, you know? But, you know, I'm also a gardener. And as I said, the garden takes up more of our time and I find I get quite passionate about my garden. And that's the morning. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with the recipes and the cooking and everything else. It all moves on. But... For this weekend, that's over. Uh, for those of you, the hearts are all over a match. I think it's on BBC. And Freebs um, and Siobhan.
1: Oh, Paddy.
0: Yeah, this is Paddy. <laughs> Not, <Sorry. laughs> I don't know, which, which, which way do we go here? This is, this is Paddy, right? And Mike, Mike and Siobhan sent this across to us, right? And we had it on the table, right? When Hibs played Queen of the South in the Scottish Cup. And we won 3-1. And we play Rangers on Sunday, right? And I know there's a lot of Rangers fans out there. Uh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I'm a Hibs supporter. And Paddy, right? It's called Paddy, not because it's an Irish thing, because it's Pat Stanton, who was the captain when I first started really getting into Hibs back in the seventies. Pat Stanton, who's a friend and somebody I've got a great deal of respect. And I've, I bow down to Pat Stanton. And this is Paddy. And Paddy is a gnome. And, like, if... If Paddy was here on the table on Sunday and we can beat Rangers, who have never been beaten this year, he will be probably on the table. He will be yeah, on the he's table. he's
1: allowed to stay here. He's
0: allowed to stay here <laughs> <laughs> and be on the table for every Hibs game and we'll be very close to this outside. But this is Paddy, our little well, good luck totem. So let's see what happens. If he's decapitated next week, you know, he took a humping. But until next week, from Paddy, from Simone, <laughs> myself, well, Take care and uh, just stay alive, watch what you're doing and employ common sense at all times, all right. as we do, OK? Yeah. So, until next week, take care. Bye. Bye. Be bing, be the bing, be the bing.